This is Captivated Minds. I'm Stan. I'm Jake. And this is our Stephen Hawking episode. So we do talk about famous people from time to time. We did just finish a series on Lincoln. That was a good Yeah, he was. An interesting fellow. He was an interesting fellow. So in this episode, we're talking about Stephen Hawking. And uh, before we get into it, there is some very scientific, heavy terms that once we get into, I'm going to try my best to explain, but they might go over our head just a little bit. Yeah, maybe, probably. The guy was a lot smarter than both of us, both of us put together. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I have to say, he is a very fascinating individual. He is. He did, uh, he, he did have a very fascinating he life, didn't too. Let, so he we'll didn't let his it. disease we'll, stop him. Because, no. uh, honestly, most people, they would probably crumble. Well, like Lincoln, he overcome a lot, too. How many right? times did Lincoln have things happen to him? And like Hawking, things happen over time, which we'll get into, but we'll see that Hawking not only overcome them, but went beyond what people told and him he's he just, could do. He's just such a brilliant man. He really is just brilliant. And it was it was very sad. I'm so happy he lived as long as he did. But it, uh, but it was very sad that he, what, 2018, I think? I believe so, yeah. A couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. But at least now he doesn't, he's not suffering. No. Which no. is good. Stephen Hawking was born uh, St- Stephen William Hawking on January 8th, 1942, within Oxford. His birthday is also on the anniversary of Galileo's death, 300 years to the date. Wow. That's a little neat little That's, that's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. He is the child of Frank and Isabel Hawking. <clears throat> Frank and Isabel had four children total. He was born into a lineage of thinkers. Isabel went to Oxford within the 1930s, and at that time... It was unheard of for a woman to kind of be in Oxford. Very few women during this time period went to Oxford. So in a sense, his mother was a pioneer in her own right for other women to get an Oxford education. So he's pretty much from a very um, well, well-rounded well family, as, like knowledgeable. Yes. I mean, so very we'll smart. Into, yes, his mom was very smart already. Isabel studied... Uh, economics, politics, philosophy. Not only did she go to Oxford, but she also chose very difficult subjects to study. Frank was a medical researcher who had a specialty within the field of tropical diseases. From what we can tell, they were both had vastly different backgrounds and (laughs) they were smart in different ways. When Stephen Hawking was born, it was at a very difficult time. Frank and Isabel did not have much money and they had to worry about bombs landing within England during World War II. During this time, Frank was doing research within his medical field. Yeah, I mean, that was a different time back then. Different time. Yeah, I mean, I could England, not, England I could not imagine growing up in... You have kids. Just imagine if right. your wife was pregnant during a bombing. Yeah, that's just real. And you don't even know if the hospital's going to be there the next day. You don't. It's very, I mean, it's it, very tough. That's a scary time. Isabel returned to Oxford to have their first child, who would be Stephen. Frank and Isabel had two daughters after St- after Stephen, Mary and Philippia. Philippia. In 1956, the Hawking family would adopt a second son named Edward. Family and friends of the Hawking family would easily describe them as being somewhat eccentric. During dinner time, it was often silent, and each member of the family would keep their face firmly within a book. Their family transportation was an old London taxi. 
They would all live in a three-story house that would cons consistently need work to be done. They were, and they were never able to get it fixed. The family had bees within the basement, and they would also make their own fireworks. That's a nice family thing to do. It sounds like the Royal Tannenbaum, in a way. <laughs> like a bunch of geniuses just going off right. and doing their own thing. But that that's also dangerous, too, because I'm a curious little boy, right? Yep. But I'm not at genius level. I don't know if I could – I don't know if I'd still be alive if I had his knowledge – and as curious as I am. You would have bees, but they would sting you. You'd be like, oh, yeah. You'd have honey all over you. <laughs> just, just be sitting there covered in, in honey bee, in bees. and bees. <laughs> During 1950, Frank took a job managing the division of parasitiology within the Nas National Institute of Medical Research. Parasitiology is defined as the branch of biology that studies parasitic organisms. Parasitiology can also be referred to as the study of a parasite and its connection to a host. Like venom. Yeah. Ven okay. Okay. Parasite and venom. Par yeah. 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 Kind of like that. Frank would also spend the winter months of that year doing field work within Africa. Frank was keen on his eldest son, Stephen, taking up uh, medicine like he had. At a very young age, Stephen was finding his passions and medicine was not one of them. Stephen's avenues of exploration were science and astronomy. Isabel and the children spent many nights looking up at the night sky during the summer months. Isabel would even recall that Stephen would be, would be very bright and cheery when talking about the night sky from a y very young age. I do, like all summer, I do that quite a bit. I was thinking about buying a telescope. Yeah, so I have one. I want to... I want to spend the money and get a, a nice one. Nice one. Yeah. Like you could take pictures and stuff with. Yeah. Or Video. You type in the coordinates. coordinates and it will follow and go. I'd love to do that because I do. I'll sit outside for hours looking at the sky because I, I just think it's fascinating. You don't know what you would see. You could see. That's right. During this uh, very early education, teachers would conclude that Stephen was smart, but he was the smart. He was not the smartest kid in the class. He had gone to the St. Albans School. There, he was near the bottom of the class. At the end of his teen years, he began to uh, have peaked interests within mathematics and physics. Stephen even thought that physics was boring because it was too easy to, for him. Within 1959, at the age of 17, he takes the entrance exam for Oxford. He got into Oxford and received a scholarship for education. It is also po possible that the college knew of his last name and the dedication uh, from his parents, too. So, 17. Yeah, that's a very yeah. young age to go to college. Right. Well, especially, especially to Oxford. Yep. I mean, Oxford and, I believe, Cambridge are, are the, the most like prestigious the top dogs in Harvard. Right. Yeah. He's only 17 at this time, and he has an interest in astronomy, math, and physics. He's a very smart kid and values learning, even if he is learning about something that isn't challenging. In, a, in an attempt to make friends within college, he jo joins a boating club and becomes a coxswain. He basically becomes, joins a rowing team. And a coxswain is an individual who is a steer person. Who, like, oh, lay, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder he, if that's what comes up if you type it in Google. <laughs> actually, it is. That's where I got Oh, it. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I copied it. Yeah. So he... He would give the directions as the steersman on the rowing boats. 
It is a British term. I thought it was something dirty too. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, it, yeah. Uh, we're just some dumb Americans <laughs> laughing right. at dirty words. That's, that's all. That's right. In 1962, Hawking arrives at Cambridge as a graduate student. Hawking began to work with uh, Dennis Scalmia within the fields of cosmology and particle physics. And at this time, the field of particle physics was not as well known or as popular as it is today. Hawking personally gravitated towards cosmology and gravitation at this time. Hawking wanted to explore the expanding understanding of general relativity. He just, he was into like a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And that's why he was so confused on what he wanted to get his doctorate at because there, he just didn't know. He was into a lot, a, a lot, and everything. So every time he was questioned, like asked about it, he was like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> general general relativity was developed by Albert Einstein. This theory states that the observed gravitational effect between masses comes from their ability to warp space time. Space time is the mathematical model. That fuses the three-dimensional uh, three dimensions of space into a dimension of time into a four-dimensional manifold. At this, at his last year at Oxford, he had felt a little clumsier than normal. He saw a doctor, and the doctor had just come and told him to stop drinking so much. Soon after he falls while ice skating, he is unable to get himself back up. After his 21st birthday, Stephen went to the hospital for further testing. I believe during his younger years, anyways, he was quite a bit of a drinker with friends. Yeah, I mean, a he partier, was yeah. partying and, and stuff like that. So I, I kind of get it. But at the same uh, time, at the same time, it's like, can't you just do your job and run some tests? Yeah. Like, just do be a your doctor. Job. Yeah. Be a doctor for once. The doctors, after doing tests, were very reluctant to speak with Stephen. Soon they disclosed what Stephen had. It was a rare, uncontrollable motor neuron disorder very similar to ALS. ALS is a progressive nervous system disease that has an effect on nerve cells within the brain and within the spinal cord. ALS can also be referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease. Nerve Nerve cells break down and that causes a reduction in the function of the muscles they connect to. I, f- I really feel bad because if no one knows this, but uh, well, many people don't know this. Lou Gehrig was a baseball player and it's just sad that he made the disease famous because he had, he had the disease and no one actually knew what this disease was until he had it because it was very rare publicized. Everyone knew that he had some sort of disease and they found out what it is. So now they named the disease after him, and it's like it's kind of sad. In the it's way. kind of sad in the way yeah. that 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 poor guy. If no one knows who Lou Gehrig is, you only know him as the disease. Yeah. It is. A, it was a giant blow and shock to his system to have a disease that could kill him at any moment. Yet the disease has no has no known cure. Many doctors thought the disease would kill and cut the life of Stephen Hawking short. All of the doctors were wrong. A brilliant mind can't or even won't be stopped when it is bound for greatness. Stephen had met Jane Wilde from his sister before his diagnosis. They had their mindset on marriage, and before they could get married, he needed a job. In 1965, Stephen marries Jane. In 1966, 
He finishes his dissertation for his Ph.D. and Stephen and Jane beginning to to expand their family with their firstborn son, Robert, in 1967. Stephen and Jane would have three kids total, Robert in 1967, Lucy in 1970, and then Timothy within 1969. That, 1979, sorry. That, to me, is wonderful. Even he's, regardless of his disease, he, they still were able to still, have a family and still have that loving life and be the best kind of – be a dad. And that's, right. And that's a good thing. Which is good. Again, he didn't let that disease stop him. He didn't let the disease stop his family. And he had a very good sense of humor. Yes. Yeah, he owned it. That's he, right. He owned the disease. and that's we, right. I mean, we have know people who have different things who just own it. And it's it's really it's really cool when they own it. That's right. Because they don't. It's let, not a disease. They it's don't let it, who they are. Right. They don't let it stop them. That's right. During the this expanse of his family, Stephen began to work on gravitational waves and their likely source, a black hole. He had also worked on theories of the Big Bang, theory of uh, casual structure, and after his daughter was born. He focused on publishing his work on general relativity, showcasing that it would break down singularities within black holes. A singularity is a point where, with it, where all physical laws are different from one another, where space and time no longer are interconnected realities. A black hole is a place and within space where gravity pulls light such at a fast rate that even light can't escape it. The singularity within a black hole is the point where large masses go into a small space, where the density and gravity become infinite and space-time curves indefinitely. And breathe. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> so that's, that's the, a lot of science. Uh, there's a theory that like, in the center of each of our galaxies that we're actually swirling around a giant black hole. And it's slowly being and sucked in. slowly being sucked in. Hawking's next venture would be to, to attempt to combine uh, general relativity and the behavior of large quantum theory. Quantum theory is the behavior of the very small. He used black holes as, as a theoretical test for quantum behavior. The key question he wanted to test was, how could quantum fields scatter off of a black hole? To his surprise, his calculations showed that a black hole would show some emission and it would uh, not scatter like he had previously thought. The discovery would leave Hawking to determine that over a period of time, radiation would leak from a black hole. This theory would be called the Hawking radiation. His precise calculations showed in detail that radiation from a black hole was in fact thermal and random. This would also leave a paradox within the heart of physics. The key question, how could the radiation that was left over contain all the information about the black hole? Hawking was now trying to figure out one of the big questions on black holes and what key factors would determine their origin. You know what's really messed up? Knowing that what we know about physics today might not work somewhere else. The laws of reality it's, might work. Can you, be different. Can you imagine, like, Hawking, Einstein, all their work meaning nothing in, like, another galaxy or whatever because or everything's al- totally al- different? Alternative reality. Or alternate, I mean. Reversed gravity or whatever. But, I mean, his theories were, like, groundbreaking. And they, it, were, they were out there because no one had ever heard of them before either. And some of the people, like, he would do these speeches in front of, letting them know this is the theory I'm going with, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people walked out. 
Because they they're like, you're a crackpot. You don't know what you're talking about. And then some of them stayed. And then some of them stayed and were like, hey. You're on to something. You're on to something and I'll back you. That's right. In the 1970s, Hawking began to research with a friend named Kip Thorne at the California Institute of Technology. At this time, he was also able to use an electric wheelchair. Uh, talking, taking uh, Stephen became a family. Taking care of Stephen became a family thing, and he, his entire family did what they could to help him improve his day-to-day life. Throughout the 1970s, his condition began to worsen. In the 1980s, his marriage to Jane became very strain, strained. Jane began to, uh, to have feelings for a tr- church organist she knew. This man is named Jonathan Jones, and after some time, he would move in with the Hawkins family to help Jane with Stephen. Stephen saw no objections to this, knowing that the family still needed to be cared for while he would go away on various trips. Stephen was very considerate and kind, given the strangeness of this uh, situation. Yeah, and Jonathan helped out quite a bit. And I I bet his wife, I think that's where the attraction was. Someone that could physically, Someone that can could physically, physically do things. I mean, she wasn't like this real rugged woman. She, no. she was like a normal like small woman right trying to lift him all the time and having to move him bathe certain him, pl- and bathe him and deal with kids and right. work and everything just to, all these things you so need help even, to do things even mentally that's going to break her down so having this person and seeing how much that guy stepped up and helped and helped out that's where the attraction came from i mean when you hear about how she kind of started getting feelings for this guy you kind of don't blame her. No. I mean, she she does have this overwhelming love for her husband, husband. for Stephen. Yeah. But then she has this little love for, love someone, else for someone else. Within 1982, Hawking had a brilliant idea of writing a novel. This novel would be about his research on the universe. This book would become The Brief History of Time and it would become a bestseller. The book would become a very large success for him. In 1985, he began to get choking fits, and these fits began when he was on a Swiss trip. Due to the fits of choking, he's placed on a tracheotomy. This would cause him to fully lose his speech. While he could talk briefly before, these fits had caused him to stop talking altogether. Yeah, pretty much once they have to do a trach, you're... you're it's trouble. It's trouble. And what sucks is... The way his um, disease worked, it's not like you could teach him to sign because he can't use his hands. So he's yeah, it's a very tough situation. Right. He began to use a new form of communication. He was now using eyebrow motions to choose a single letter at a time. At first, his communication with this new style was very frustrating for him. It would take many hours of practice for him to communicate at a level he was once at. There was yet another roadblock set before him on his life path. Here is a genius unable to speak his mind, but he was very determined to not let that stop him. After losing his wife Jane and now his voice, things were becoming even more frustrating for him. Stephen moved out of the house, out of the family home, and got his own apartment. In 1990, one of his nurses, Elaine Mason, moved in with him. Stephen and Elaine had grown close before she had moved in. Within some time, Stephen and Elaine were married, so this would be his second wife. They were married in 1995. 
Hawking's next great task would be to explore what many think of us as fiction, time travel. Thorne proposes the idea that using wormholes, time travel could be possible. This theory would state that by bending physics and space-time to a certain point, you could travel between wormholes and make it possible. God, he was like, he was into everything. Like, yeah. I mean, that's cool. That is cool. Because it's... Well, to, to me, him and his friend are talking about time right. travel too. I mean, we're a discussion we'd probably have too. Right. So, when when we talk about time travel, right? We're nerds about it. We're nerds about it. But when he talks about time travel, everyone's like, "Do you think he can? Is it, is it possible? Is it possible? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, Hawking says it, and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. say it, and it's like you're such a geek. Yeah, well, <laughs> Thorne is actually proposing proposing that first thing first. Right, yeah. yeah. Hawking would admit that anything would be possible under variables in certain conditions. But he, did, he also didn't think that traveling in time was possible due to the fundamental laws uh, uh, proposed by physics. Throughout various points within the 1990s, he would publish countless other novels. Some of these novels would be about how the universe worked and in 1993 he would publish an audio uh, a book on black holes and another and on other baby universes within also within 1993 he would uh, co-edit a, a book with uh, Jared Gitson on Euthenian Euclidean quantum gravity quantum gravity Euclidean gravity Quantum Gravity, the book he helped to co-write, was about the understanding of difficult aspects of space-time singularities of classical general relativity, which occurs within the, the gravitational collapse of stars from black holes. You know what's really messed up? It's a lot of science. Well, here's the thing. I really want to get some of his books. I, like, that's some interesting stuff. It, we should do a whole topic on that. Because I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind reading about that. There's a, there's a couple of good books he's, he's written. Wow. Within I mean, I, most people think that's a lot of mumbo-jumbo. But if you which, really think about but it. But if you really think about it, it's just really fascinating stuff. Yeah, it is very fascinating. Gra- like, they detected gravitational waves a while ago, too. Yeah. Now, yeah, I remember that. Within 2004, he had announced that he had solved the black hole paradox that he identified in 1974. His theory states... That a black hole does not s- destroy all that is sucked into it, and information could be obtained from a black hole. Think, let that sit for a second. Wow. Jeez. Which some scientists may agree or disagree with his findings. He is also able to determine that information from a black hole can be retrieved. His discovery of black holes follows the first rule of thermodynamics. The rule is basically known as the law of conversion. The rule states that energy can be transferred from one being one thing to another. Energy cannot be con- created nor destroyed. With this law in mind, he was clearly onto something with gathering information from a black hole. After being married to Elaine in 1995, they divorced within 2006. After two failed marriages, it would appear that love, personal love, may not be in the cards for Stephen Hawking. Yeah, he. Pro- I mean. At Two this, times is, at, a, is a lot. At this point, he's probably so involved with his work, he just doesn't have time for personal life. It, it makes sense. I mean, the amount of things that he was going after, he would be working on this 24-7. He would be working on this while he was sleeping. 
to some, it could sound to, a little crazy. Right. So, I mean, it, once that happens, you turn off the love. Yeah. There is no love. There's, okay, I have this person here. That's what it is. You're, you're, you're in love with your work. That's right. And it kind of shows the amount of detail and, um, and everything that his books are very detailed. I was able to find a few PDFs, which we used the research for this for, and there's one on his whole brief history of time. And it's just really interesting and fascinating and stuff like that. And then one was on his bio as well. Cause you can see when some people put out work and stuff while you're reading, you could almost see while, while you're reading, you get that sense of, okay, look, he, he did this because he had to. But when you're like talking about Stephen Hawkins, when you read some of his stuff, you read it and you go, he really loved this. It was almost like Mozart composing a symphony. Exactly. In his head. And like, yeah. this was his version of doing that. He was trying to connect to the universe in a way that no one else, they could, but not in his way. Right. Like, it's almost like his brain was just out in the universe. That's right. Almost like he projected himself. In a way. I mean, in, a way. in a way, yeah. Right. In, in 2007, he went to a zero-gravity flight on a Boeing 727 jet. This trip had two major purposes. The first, to help promote public interest in space travel. The second would help to research ALS. So he was doing it for two major causes, and that was pretty great. That is amazing. Yep. I didn't know he did that. Yep. I've always wanted to do that. I wanted to do that, too. Right. Uh, Stephen was able to spend two hours and had eight uh, zero-gravity dives. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So he could feel like it would be like to be weightless and unbound from a wheelchair in space. I'm yeah. sure he loved it. Oh. I'm sure his just body felt like kind of loose and right. natural and relaxed. and just Having that just freedom feeling. That's right. In space, no less. Oh. From various images of him floating in space, which <clears throat> we might be able to find on Google, too. Oh, yeah. And we can see that he is ecstatic about being in space. And it really must have been an amazing experience to feel weightless just for a couple of moments. Like everything in his life, he, ha he would have good and bad moments. His first flight into space would also be his only flight into space. But on some genius-like level, space was one of his immersive playgrounds, and he knew it. In 2007... He founded the Center for Theoretical Cosmology. It was based within the Center of Mathematical Science section within the University of Cambridge. This center was set up to advance the scientific understanding of the universe. I, I, I love how we got to grow up with this guy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Because all the shit that he created. Like the big scientists growing up were probably like Neil Tyson... Bill, right. Bill Nye, Bill Nye, Stephen Hawking, like you knew these names. You know what I kind of I feel or bad. Carl Sagan. I feel bad about. It seems like we've gotten away from making scientists rock stars. They are. They should be. Because it seems like when we were growing up, we did we had all these guys to look up to. Yeah, we. Or these we, were well known names. Right. They were out. Look at Einstein, right? That's right. Everyone. Everyone knows, knows who Einstein is. I even have an Einstein Funko. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Do they have a Steven one? I would look. I couldn't find one. Oh, that'd be for oh, that would be so a nice cool. one. Yeah, that would be a nice one. But they they were rock stars. I I grew up watching Bill Nye and me too. And to like now, 
You can watch it with your kids, too, I, and it's, it probably doesn't hold up as well, but right. you still watch but it. But now I'll see Bill Nye on, on TV doing something, and I'm like, ha, there's my dude. Yeah. And the song will pop in my head yeah. and everything. Yeah. Or when I see Neil doing an interview yeah. or something, it's like, okay, this guy I can sit and watch he for hours. He actually owns the Hayden Planetarium. Native. Yeah. I would love to go. Well, after COVID's gone, I'd oh, love, yeah, to, I'd love to go. But it's almost like we've we've stopped we've stopped forcing I would say you'd have to force kids nowadays, but we stopped forcing kids to look at science. They should be. And it they should be, should be looking you, at science. They should they should know these names. My kids don't know these names. If you tested your kids on scientists I know. and TikTok players, do I, you think uh, I wouldn't say t- I would say streamers. streamers. Like I could test them between scientists and streamers, and they'd name more streamers than scientists. Really? I, I, hands down. At that age, I could probably name more stand-up comedians. <laughs> like, right. We, we also I grew mean, up in a different era, South Park era. I know, South Park and all that. I can – God, like celebrities. I could name more celebrities than I could. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one of those – I wish – I wish we turned them into rock stars again. Like, I'm hoping There's for, a time. I'm sure there will be a time. I can't wait for the next scientist to do something big and his name just gets out there. Yeah, it would be great. The center launched uh, the Stephen Hawking program, a campaign designed to celebrate and honor Stephen's life and his work through teaching. The program expanded to his legacy and helped others to ensure ongoing research within cosmology and gravitation. In 2009, he was awarded the U.S. Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama. This award is given out to those who showcase excellence not only in their career, but as outstanding individuals as well. This award is given out to very few scientists, so that was kind of a first. Not first, but a big deal. The award was also given to his persistence and dedication towards discovery and helping to inspire other people. See that's cool. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Yeah, if you think about it, it's you're right. It's very few scientists. It's mostly um, uh, celebrities, uh, athletes, but people who have done good work. Pe- right. right, they've yeah. done really good, good work, work. But yeah. it's Not it's scientists. nice to see this a scientist get it, especially one so well deserving. Yeah. Right. And within 2012, he opened the uh, the Paralympics to an amazing spectacle of lights within London. He tells the crowd of 62,000 to look to the scars. He also gives a speech that uh, he states, however difficult life may seem, there is only something you can do to succeed at. Uh, then good luck to everyone. In 2013, he wins an award for his breakthrough within fundamental physics. He wins for his discovery of the Hawking, ra- uh, Hawking radiation from black holes. He had finally felt validated for his life's work, in a sense. Although much of his work is theoretical, it's like getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. The prize would be the closest thing to a Nobel Prize he would obtain. So close. Yep. Very close. Within 2014, he changes his take on black holes. He would even state that there were no black holes in the traditional sense. He would even state that there may be no event horizons at all, but in an apparent horizon that changes its laws according to quantum changes. This theory still remains a bit controversial among people and scientists and the science community. See, that's the other thing I like about him. He he really didn't give a shit no. what people thought, right? He was like, so, hey, this could be possible. So, like, at the beginning... 
when he started doing his doctrine and stuff, it was all about he believed the universe had a beginning, had a time. Like, it, it started here, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden he changed it. And it never had. And then look at this. Look at this. It starts out this big thing about black holes. And then it's like, well, maybe black holes really don't exist. That's right. That would that would screw up so many people. But but you said it, it could make sense. You said this. Yeah, I don't care now. It might be wrong. Guess what? Yeah. Now I'm doing this. I'm working on this thing. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> during, during 2014, a film about his life is called The Theory of Everything, which we'll be talking about. Yes. On uh, the Thursday episode. Film. Before it was made, he was very reluctant about how the film would go. He would even uh, meet the actor Eddie Redmayne, I believe who would play him as well as read the script. This movie was based on the memoir from Jane, his first wife. His only really his only major concern with the film is that it needed more physics, and I think that was a joke. <laughs> he was so pleased with the film that he allowed the film to use his actual voice. Yeah, it's, I mean... <laughs> so he was, he was a funny guy. He was a funny guy. I mean, again, it was... You have to laugh at the little things. That's right. So... That was his whole thing. And I discussed this with, with my wife when we were watching A Theory of Everything. And he was cracking jokes about his uh, ability. I like right? the uh, the Doctor Who exterminate one. Right. That was cute. Yeah. So I told her, because if I ever get hurt or something, I make a joke of it. Yeah. Like my arm could be broken and I'm laughing about yeah. it type of thing, right? Yeah. And she hates that. Well, she, sense of humor. You're weighing to me. It's to me, of, it's like I want everyone to feel better about feel it. better about it, and that's how he is. Yeah. So he's sitting there. He's kind of frail, and but he's like cracking jokes, jokes. and oh, you know, it's good that the bed's here because now it's going to make breakfast easy, and you know, stuff little, like that, little, and stuff that I would say. That's right. But then I know. Sarcastic. But then I I looked at my wife, and she's like. I would I would hit you if you said something like that because it's not funny. It is funny, <laughs> and it's like it is. He's trying to make light of a bad situation. He is. In uh, 2017, Hawking celebrated his 75th birthday. That, onto itself, was a massive massive milestone, considering that in 1962 he was told he only had a couple years left to live. And see, I thought that was amazing. It was yep. like, yeah, two tops. Yeah. Nope. Uh, I don't think so. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like many other aspects of his life, he was determined not to have people tell him what he could or could not do. <laughs> really, yeah. Exactly. Cambridge University held an event called the Gravity and Black Holes. This event was held at the Center of Mathematical Sciences. Twenty well-known scientists gave papers during this three-day conference. And during this conference, Stephen makes another speech. So to remember, uh, so remember, look up at the stars, not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder, and, and what makes the universe exist. Be curious, and however difficult it may seem, there is always something you can do to succeed at. It matters that you do not just give up. That's a good little. That's speech. really good. Uh, Stephen co-authored a paper with Malcolm Perry, a ca another Cambridge scientist. This paper does focus on black holes. The paper uh, brought another new idea into the realm of science. It stated that the information is not lost within a black hole, but may be contained within the strains of the black hole's edge. Throughout his life, he was consistently rediscovering things that he thought he had mastered. Science was, in a sense, giving back to him all the contributions he had given to science. 
November 2017, Stephen Hawking makes his very last appearance. He creates a fellowship. It is designed to celebrate those who would have uh, key contributions within the field of science. He is just... He's just an amazing human being. Yeah. Well vast and very different right. aspects. Stephen Hawking was very smart and very tough individual who would bring science to new heights with his vast theories on the cosmos and in a series of the world of physics. From what we can tell about his life, he always kept an eye on the prize when it came to science. Now how, no matter how bad his physical condition was, he used the best of a bad situation to help reshape what we know of science. Today, his name is often associated with black holes in physics. He would try to take leaps and bounds within his uh, work, even if it meant his validation uh, would take a lifetime. Besides showing a love for science and physics, Stephen shows us that even when all hope seems lost, to just carry on and keep pushing forward with goals. His life was not easy by any means. His life before and after the medical condition almost seemed like he was two different people in a sense. Within that mind, some strange, uh, within that, in his mind, some his condition may have been some sort of blessing in disguise for Stephen Hawking. We know uh, today within physics, our understanding of black holes may be fundamentally changed without what he knew. So if you think about it, if let's say ALS actually affected the brain, he would he wouldn't be who he was. Where would we be? Different in a different he, part of physics. Right. I mean, some of this stuff wouldn't even be thought of or right. um it's just amazing to think that if his mind actually went certain physics things wouldn't work, may, maybe we wouldn't have some of the stuff we have today. Theories on maybe, the black holes. Maybe or... right. Things would just definitely be different. Like astronomy would be so different. Maybe, yeah. Uh, May, March 14th, 2018, Stephen Hawking passes away, and he had died peacefully within his Cambridge home. What what would make this little strange would be the fact that he died on Albert Einstein's birthday. I did not realize yep. that. That's messed up. Yeah. The streets of Cambridge were filled with those who had thought Stephen Hawking was once their own. Academics from around the world all paid their respects to Stephen Hawking. Many people knew him as a scientist with radical ideas on the universe. He was also a, a highly devoted family man who loved his family and kids and grandkids. He was also a giant advocate for those within the, the disabled community. And he would often promote to educate understanding for others as well. Even after his death, there are still unfinished documents about his work. His friends and families and also his colleagues all came together to finish a final book about Stephen. This book is titled Brief Answers to the Big Questions, and it has sold 2.5 million copies since its publication. Wow. That's a lot of books. That's a lot. Yep. This shows that the world has a bright light of genius for his legacy, and he will not be forgotten even after he is gone. Stephen Hawking's ashes are near Saint uh, Sir Isaac Newton and Charles Darwin. This would be the final validation of Stephen Hawking and his work. Even if a Nobel Prize was out of the question, his legacy within the scientific community will not be challenged. It also shows a love for an individual who gave his heart and soul towards the questions of the universe. You want to know something like really messed up? What? Before we... When we discussed that you were, you were going to do Stephen Hawkins and yeah. stuff, did you know I thought he was American? 
Really? I never knew he was from England. I knew. I knew. I think I had an idea he was from England. No yeah. clue. Because no his voice cl- sounds American. <laughs> it it, does. it does. I'm not trying to be mean. It does. I'm not trying to be but, mean, but it does. No, because they actually bring that up in the movie. In the movie, but yeah. that's why I snickered a little bit. But I just, I always thought. He was For American. some reason, I just thought he was an American, American scientist. Yeah, that makes sense. And it wasn't until, like, you said you were going to do it, so I started looking up things. And then, of course, I rewatched The Theory of Everything, and I'm like, oh, he's a Brit. Yeah. Like, he's English. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Like, you just, you forget because everything everything I've ever seen, it was always... Him at some Always something, something. In, like, in an American paper. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, it's just funny to find out. So, yeah, that was our episode on Stephen Hawking. Yeah, if you guys have another famous person, famous person you want us to cover, let us know. Like, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep picking random people here and there. Kind of like filler episodes between other things that we're working on. Other major on. series. Um, please uh, follow us on Facebook, Captivated Minds. Instagram is at Minds Captivated. Email us, CaptivatedMinds2 at gmail.com. We also have a P.O. box. Everything is listed in the show notes. If you also follow us on Apple Podcasts, please uh, follow us and like us or leave a five-star rating or leave any rating. We'd love to hear back and see how we're doing or if we suck. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? If we do. Yeah. If we do suck, please tell us. Yeah. You know why? Because we worship every word you say. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for listening. Thank you.